Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls off three-pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back to another season of NBA, and most importantly, welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Ronan, how are you doing, my friend? It's been so long. It has been a hot minute, but uh, Coast to Coast is back. Basketball is pretty much back, and we have got a lot to talk about. Listen, this is this is going to be like pre preseason podcasting. There might be a couple turnovers here and there. There might be a couple of uh, poor possessions, but... Uh, we're going to try and get right back on it. But today we're going to be talking about the East Coast. You know, we want to canvas the lead. We want to talk about all the things we haven't had the chance to talk about. I already got a little giddy over the Bulls in the offseason. And uh, I'll be damned if I don't have another opportunity to do it here. <laughs> but um, I want, I'm going to jump straight into it. What are the biggest questions? What are some exciting things we're going to see? Everything's starting to start up here in preseason. We're already getting almost half a week into it. And uh, I think we want to start here. Talking about our Boston Celtics. This is going to be a really interesting year for them. I think the biggest question we want to ask here for the Celtics is how are they going to bounce back after a disappointing year? And a lot of that's going to surround what we think about Ime Udoka. Is this going to be a year where a first-time head coach brings a team with championship aspirations to where they're supposed to be? I want I, I want to say yes, because just obviously this is uh, Udoka's first head coaching job, but the assistant jobs that he has worked, the coaches that he has worked under, that makes me think that he's ready for this role and he is going to be capable of delivering the utmost for this Boston team this year. I think he, he, he he's obviously he's worked with Pop for, for most of his uh, assistant career. He's also had years with the 76ers and uh, last year with the Nets. I'm sure that was a big experience for him working with large personalities, uh, some of the yeah. some of the greats of the game. I'm sure that was uh, very, very interesting. So in terms of the coach, I'm pretty confident. Uh, I think he's the fresh blood that Boston ultimately needed. Uh, Brad Stevens obviously did a great job, but it, it was time for a change. They were stalling a bit. And I think Yudoka is a, a perfect candidate to come in and breathe new life into this Boston franchise. Yeah, man, you'd love to hear already the buy-in from the players. They already love his style. They already love how he's um, working on the court with them. And I think, you know, we'll see what happens when it comes to the strategy, when it comes to the buy-in throughout the year. Because that was the, the biggest issue that the Celtics had last year. It was all intangibles. It was all about effort and defense in, in the fourth quarter and having consistent effort and consistent play. 
Um, maybe just shaking it up. And I think as we talked about at the end of last season, shaking things up, bringing in new personnel, you bring back Al Horford, you get rid of Kemba Walker. Maybe you allow Marcus Smart to thrive a little bit more as a playmaker. But I wonder that that's going to be one of the bigger questions for me is those two guys is Al Horford, Marcus Smart, and the guy behind Al Horford, Bob Williams. Now, that's where I'm really looking at this year. I know that Jason Tatum's going to take another step. I know that Jalen Brown's going to take another step. They had career years last year. Jalen Brown has evolved from just being this incredibly athletic wing to now being a guy that you can rely on to get his own shot. Um, but what do we think about Al Horford coming back? I feel like I haven't seen him play real basketball in like years. Ah, stop. I, like, I, I think back on the last couple of years and – I'm a blank. I'm just thinking back to his for his last stint with with the Celtics. That's when I'm thinking back to Al Horford. That's Did he even him. live in Oklahoma? <laughs> in Oklahoma City, I, I always forget Oklahoma City is not in Oklahoma. I have to remind myself that every time. <laughs> yeah, it, this could prove a genius move from Boston if he can come in and and play a similar sort of role that he did with. Uh, with Boston back when it was Hayward, Kyrie, that that sort of groove, just as Tatum was kind of coming into the fro. That was when Horford was looking really good. And it was kind of almost a bit of a surprise when he uh when he left. But obviously he's 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 a lot older now. He's not going to be delivering the same sort of production levels. But if he can have a positive impact in the background and just be the solid calming presence that we all know Al Horford is on the court. I think this will prove a great move from Boston. Yeah, and obviously Bob Williams getting that large extension. They really believe in what he's going to be. They're really going to rely on him staying healthy. Because that's the thing. Al Horford's not going to be able to play the whole year, full minutes at center. He's he's not going to start there. They're going to need Bob Williams to step up and take that starting position. That means playing more than a measly 20 minutes a game. He's going to have to step that up stay in shape and stay healthy. That's just not something he's had over the past few years. Maybe that's something that happens here, but that, that's a big question mark for me. Um, and another thing, we, we saw it again. I need it. I mean, it is preseason, but we're going to overreact as much as we can and, and try and project how these things apply. But the bench, again, looked pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. Summer League, Peyton Pritchard looked incredible. But what are we going to get out of guys like Josh Richardson? Dennis Schroeder, I think, is going to play mostly off the bench this year. What did Grant Williams figure out how to become an actual stretch big? Is he going to be able to play minutes there? Because if Al Horford goes down, if Bob Williams goes down, you're going to have to go back to small ball with Grant Williams. That's just not something that has worked out in the past, but that's that's something that's going to need to get figured out. Romeo Langford changes number. Maybe he figures it out this year. Juancho Hernan Gomez, they think they're going to get a lot of versatility out of him. They brought back Enos Cantor. We all know what he can do. Um, but the bench, that that's going to have to – someone's going to have to step up there. Maybe it's Peyton Pritchard. Maybe Aaron Neesmith has a big year. But there's a, there's a lot of question marks in that aspect. Yeah, big time. I think Schrouder's uh, one of the biggest ones. I mean, how is he going to cope with the slap in the face that he got during the offseason, ended up in that one-year deal in Boston? He thought he was going to, he had big money in front of him. He didn't take it. He thought he was worth more. And ultimately that, uh, that didn't really work out for him too. Well, don't get me wrong. Boston's a a nice place to land, but uh, he is not on the money he thought he was going to be on. So is he going to bounce back and be the Dennis Schroeder that we saw in OKC? Or is he going to have a more 
negative impact on the team and not play to the levels where no, we know that he's capable of. I think if he can come back and be a, a solid contributor, if he can get even close to what he did in OKC, that makes a huge difference to the bench unit of this Boston team. Absolutely. I, I, he needs to be on the bench. And, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how the guard rotation is going to turn out for a couple of reasons. Um, Josh Richardson, they're going to expect him to be on the wing, but he's a guy who, you know, you can have him be on the ball a little bit, expect him to do some playmaking. Peyton Pritchard, absolutely. I mean, he's shown he's he can command the ball at times off the bench on the second unit. Um, Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I don't think anything's a guarantee for them. Not to say that they're going to lose a starting spot, but a big thing that I think they're going to want to focus on is spacing. Sometimes the spacing was awful last year. And to have Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder on the floor, Josh Richardson on the floor, these are all guys who, you know, you could point to the percentage that Smart had last year, but he had a lot of cold stretches. These are not guys you can rely on. And I think you've looked at Pritchard's shot, and he's had a tremendous summer. He had a tremendous end of the year last season, and he's shown it here in preseason already. Again, just one game. But his shooting has really has really been consistent. And you might want to see him out there more with, with Tatum, play a little bit more inside out with Brown, allow him to, to have open lanes. Because when you get Schroeder out there, he was shooting 33% last year. Richardson had the worst three-point shooting year of his career. Grant Williams still can't stress the floor. They need more people. They need Aaron Neesmith, I think, of all of all people to really step up and be a two-way player and stretch the floor. Yeah, I think Neesmith's a big one. But Pritchard, I, I don't know if it was his own decision or a decision made by the team, but he, he he's played it smart. He's he's clearly worked on his shot, and he's it appears he's slowly developing it into being good enough that it's going to get him serious minutes on the floor, and he's going to be a difference maker for this Boston team. Obviously. We don't fully know until we see it consistently in the regular season, but he's clearly worked on it and he's 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 playing it right to, to get the become a player on this this Boston team that's that's gonna get serious minutes night after night. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, when we talk Celtics, we talk about a team, like I said, that has championship aspirations. The biggest X factors right now are really just the bench, are really just a new coach. And it's all looking towards Jason Tatum. These question marks don't matter when you have Jason Tatum, when you have a sidekick and Jalen Brown. I think if they keep that trajectory, you know, they have nothing to worry about. Well, we said that last year, but I, they should have nothing to worry about this year if they just keep taking those steps forward. And I feel like I say this every year, but Jason Tatum looks bigger. Yeah, He looks bigger. I mean, he looks like he's filled out more. And meanwhile, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown looks fast. Like he looks quick, but one thing I, I've noticed, and this was something that people have touched on in the off season, Jalen Brown, you know, he's had some lingering issues health wise for the past couple of years. He had his lowest dunk total last year. And we can say, okay, Blake Griffin has lowest dunk total and look what happened. But I want to see if he's healthy. Is, does he still have that? explosiveness can he still do that and I don't know if that was just a fluke last year but I think he's definitely evolved his game to get past it but that's been on my radar watching how his athleticism has translated this year now that he's added more to his bag yeah it's interesting I guess you kind of 
work towards other aspects. Maybe the work he's done, realistically, probably in the gym, maybe has kind of uh, brought down his, his athleticism that, that little bit. Interesting point. Not something I'd noticed too much, but that, that's interesting. I'm going to be kind of keeping my eye on that. But realistically, I'm looking at it. Boston finished seventh last year in the East. They were 36 and 36. This Boston team is a top five team, and they're going to get there because I believe Jason Tatum is going to have a season of MVP caliber. Last year, he was awesome. He looked so impressive in so many games. He just looked like a winner out there on the floor. He's come back again, and he looks like a, a bigger player. He looks more of a man. Still only 23, but there's going to be a long... <laughs> There's still going to be a long period here of this season. Maybe he might not get there in the end, but I'm, I'm super confident of him putting in an MVP year uh, for Boston, and he's going he's gonna to be the key to driving them up the league, or up the, up the East anyway. And the East is tough, and... The team that passed on Tatum is having a pretty tough now. 76ers and the Simmons. We have to talk about it. It's kind of quieted down over the past couple of days, but I can't remember a more awkward situation than this, than this divorce that's currently happening between the 76ers and Ben Simmons. Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's unprecedented in so many different ways in sport. I, I haven't seen it in sports, at least in my lifetime. And I, I don't even know where it's going to go. We were looking at this a month ago, like, all right, he's going to show up. He's going to be disgruntled and they'll probably trade him sometime in the season. Not going to trade him now. And then he said, he's not going to show the training camp. And we're like, okay, there's no way he's not going to show up to training camp. And then he doesn't show up to training camp and he doesn't show up to preseason game. And I, I don't even know where they're going to go with this, but for right now, it seems like he's not going to be with 70, obviously not going to be with them long-term, but he's not going to be with them even during the season. I mean, like, what, what a shit show. Oh, it's a complete note of disaster. It, it totally rolls in with, with Philadelphia and the process. They, they, that's, this is just what things that Philadelphia do, but Ben Simmons, I think he, he's, he, 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 he's the dickhead in this situation, in all honesty. Oh, come on. He, 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 he decides to do this at the worst point of his career. The, the last season, the playoffs, the, that was the first kind of real point in his career where people were seriously questioning his ability to be a superstar in this league. And that's when he decides, okay, I'm going to kick up a fuss here and refuse to play and demand a trade when my trade value is at its lowest point of all time. I mean, come on, come back, start playing, show, show that you are this star that so many people believe you to be, not just a defender, learn how to shoot, that might help. Learn how to shoot. <laughs> we need to drop it. We said we had to drop it last year. We need, we need to, once and for all, we need to drop. Ben Simmons is never going to shoot. You got to get over that. But man, what are you going to do if you're Ben Simmons? I mean, you, you were dangled. And the James Harden trade, you were dangled in trade talks all year. And at the end of the year, I mean, you became the scapegoat for a series where, you know, he wasn't the best player, obviously. He wasn't the worst player in that series. He wasn't the reason they lost. He definitely was a contributing factor. Nobody talks about Matisse Thibault missing a free throw or Matisse Thibault fouling a three-point shooter. Nobody talks about that. But they want to talk about Ben Simmons because 
you know, the expectations that are there. Uh, I'm sorry, we're putting, we're putting Matisse Teubel and Ben Simmons on the same level here now. Right? No, we're not. I know, but the, expe- <laughs> I, so, uh, <laughs> the expectations, though, are, are crazy. I think that, you know, Ben Simmons is supposed to be, like all of a sudden start shooting. And I, and I think what what people haven't looked at is how he was used in the playoffs as well. I mean, he was just like he was in Brett Brown's system against the Celtics. He was hidden in the dunker spot. Number one, that was terrible for Embiid. That was terrible for cutters. And Embiid had to score purely uh, like he, he had to score like Kobe. He was shooting from the free throw line, mid-range, and he had to do things in double teams because Simmons was in that spot. Simmons didn't ask to be put in that spot. They weren't really putting Simmons in the best position possible, I don't think. And I think Simmons knows that. Simmons knows that. And the fact that everything got put on him, nothing got put on on how Doc Rivers chose to use him or chose to put him in positions on the floor. And then for him to get dangled all offseason in trade talks, I mean, that it's it's insane for you to think, not you, Ronan, <laughs> but everybody to think that Benson is just going to like be like, okay, all right, I'm just going to try this again. Like, dude, he's like, no, like, screw you guys. You guys clearly aren't invested in me anymore. You just want to find a good deal to get me out of here. So just get me out of here now. Let's just let's just let's just cut bait now. Yeah. One one thing I will agree with you on the the fact that Simmons has gone, has thrown such a tantrum and gone so all in, it has definitely protected uh, Doc Rivers a, a pretty a pretty decent bit. There's not much talk about what he did wrong last year, which is uh, Ben Simmons has has helped him big big time in terms of that. But at the same time, it, it's a weird one. Um, I'm not really sure what way Philadelphia are playing it. I don't think they know what way they're they're trying to play this. One thing that's that to just move on just a little bit is what's up with John Wall? Do they really have is it just too big of, <laughs> is it too big of a risk? The fact Wait, that have, oh, are you one of those? You're one of those. You want John Wall to go to the 76ers? I mean, he's literally like the only person i can i can i could uh, <laughs> like there's so many trades there's so few trades that i think this would be a good trade but the fact that it's a thing that john wall is is looking to get out of houston like houston trying to get rid of john wall but the fact that there hasn't even been a link to between houston and uh and philly making a deal obviously ben simmons wants to go anywhere but Philly, they want to get this all-star back, and I just don't think it's going to happen. They want Dame. They want Dame. Maury's going to hold out for Dame. And the reason I laughed when you said Wall is because I, I just remembered this. Uh, we'll talk about them more in the West, but just like one of the weirder stories. There's so many weird stories right now. I don't even want I hope we don't have to talk about COVID. But when he said, I'm just going to be a mentor, that's an expensive-ass mentor, man. <laughs> what, are, what are you getting, 41 mil this year, 42 mil? Yeah, he's getting good paid to be good paid to be a mentor, you know. <laughs> and he, he thinks he's just gonna a trade's just gonna appear for him, even though he hasn't played. He hasn't he's played what 22 games in the past three years. But oh, yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's just he, he he is it's such a liability and so much money for such such a liability. But man, it it would be great if there was a way that John Wall could find himself to do a decent team and, and and be able to stay healthy and give give us one last flash of the player that he could have been because all the injuries have been mega disappointing but back to Philly it's all coming back on Embiid now the guy's got to step up I'm looking at Embiid and 
he's got to play 70 games this year. He's not. He, he, he has to. Like, he's not. There's no way. He's got to step it up. I think he played 51 games last year. Obviously, that's the shortened season. So it, it, it's got to be, I'm thinking 70 games. He can't afford to, to, to rest him and sit him out. The Philly are just going to need him. They're going to need another year like last year. Obviously, last year he was unbelievable, both ends of the court. In my opinion, I, I would he would have got my vote to, to be MVP. Not, not saying that Jokic didn't deserve it or anything like that. <laughs> uh, now, now the pressure's really on because Simmons, Simmons ain't coming back. Ultimately, it just didn't work with Simmons, Simmons and Embiid. But now, Embiid, this is your time. This is your time to be the big dog. This is your time to be Giannis-esque. You got to step up. And it's just about health with him, man. But I, he's yeah. he's never been able to stay healthy, even when he is, for Embiid, healthy. I mean, last year, he was suffering through that MCL. Didn't get surgery on it in the offseason. Um, and, you know, it, it's questionable whether he's going to come in healthy to start the season. And we, we got to understand too, like this, we've had two seasons almost crunched into one or this past year. And would I be shocked if we fast forward to the end of the season and you told me Embiid got hurt and the 76ers were in the play-in tournament? That wouldn't shock me. Because look, look, look at this round. Is Tobias Harris going to lead this team? Maybe. It's a big question mark. Who's who off who off the bench? Is Tyrese Mack? You're going to rely on Tyrese Maxey in his second year to take a big jump. No one's getting surprised by him this year. They're they're going to have his name on the scouting report. Second, the second year is always the toughest year for scorers like him, especially like him. And if Embiid goes down, which I think you know he might not even get hurt, but they're going to have to rest him. I mean, any little thing, if he, if he has a little sprain, you got to rest him because you can't risk your entire franchise because you just lost Ben Simmons. It's already over. And when Embiid went down last year, they could rely on Simmons to, to step in and be that guy. Look at the performances he put up while Embiid was out. And you got a nice little taste of what Simmons could possibly be on a different team. But I have a huge question mark written all over the 76ers because of that. I don't know if they're going to survive if Simmons go, or if Embiid goes down for a long period of time. Yeah, it's good. It, 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 it will be seriously tough. I mean, I'm expecting an improvement out of kind of the three young guys, the three kind of on the edge guys like Maxi, Milton, and Thibault. I'm, I'm expecting to see more from them this year. Not that they're going to be game changers or anything like that. I'm expecting to see an improvement. Big question for them for me. If Embiid stays healthy, are Philly still challengers in the East? Yeah, absolutely. With Embiid there, absolutely. Because, because the way that he can dominate the post and if they can continue to surround him by shooting and they honestly, if they have in those playoff moments, and this is actually a big question for Doc Rivers, not for Embiid. This is a question for Doc Rivers. How, how is he going to... How is he going to use him? And can he can he really use him more in the way that I, I think the Nuggets use Jokic? I think that Embiid, that would be a great way to use him because 
if you look at how Jokic plays and, and all these dribble handoffs and high posts from three-point line, because Embiid's a fantastic three-point shooter, Jokic isn't always forced to just bang in the post, bang in the post and score. I mean, Jokic is in a lot of actions where he's getting other people involved. And Simmons, I mean, or Embiid, he proved that he's a better passer. And I think that's the next evolution of his game is Embiid's going to prove to be a better passer this year. And that's how they're going to have to use it to have him survive. The thing is with Tybal, things with Maxi, even Milton, you're not going to be able to rely on those guys to carry that load because how are they going to play? They're playing right now based entirely off of Embiid. They're basing that entirely off of double teams, off of drop coverage, off of switch. Like they can't survive unless they have Embiid on the floor. But I, I we're we're already going too much on the 76ers. I, I think I think they'll be okay as long as he's healthy, but that's the biggest question mark for me, man. And what, what do we I think there's a good spot to talk about the guys who kicked him out there's a lot of conflicting opinions about where the Hawks are going to land. The Atlanta Hawks surprised everybody last year. I don't, I don't think there's one person, even in Atlanta, betting on them making it as far as they did. But I think a lot of people this year think that was a fluke. They, they don't think they're going to make it that far. And they have questions about, I have questions now even about how Trey Young is going to play. He's one of the most prolific free throw shooters last year, but Look at the rule change. Look at how Steph Curry jumped into that shot. That's not a thing anymore. Trey Young's really going to suffer from that, especially how he he's played in his in-between game. But are you bullish on them? I'm thinking they're probably going to drop down a place or two. Obviously, they finished fifth last year. I'm picturing them as the six or seven seed. But one thing I will say is I like that the whole team's coming back. Uh, they haven't lost any of the key members True. that got them to where they were last year. They got another year under Nate McMillan. They've committed to you, They've committed to to John Collins, five year, hundred twenty five million dollars. This team is one now. And the question is, it, it's on Trey Young. Trey Young is the leader of this team. Can he sustain? Can he push on in in uh, in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two? I think that's that's where the question lies. How big of an impact? Will the, this real change have on him? Can he get back to an all-star? He, was, he wasn't an all-star last year. Can he get back to all-star form this year? And can him and Collins take this Hawks team on? Like, obviously, the Atlanta the Atlanta franchise believe that they can. And, and look, too, like, they were injured last year. They weren't healthy. Bell was banged up. Bogdan was coming right off an injury, jumping straight into the playoffs. And Gallinari was hurt at times. Trey Young had a bum ankle. They didn't even have DeAndre Hunter. And Cam Reddish was coming to his own. I mean, everyone was, was banged up. And now the, if they're healthy this year, I mean, Clint, Clint Capella is still out at the moment. Um, I think they have a chance to give these young guys the keys. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter was really, really on a rhythm going into the All-Star break. And it's a shame he got hurt because I think I was looking at him as, you know, he could have been the second best player on this team, the way he was going. He was starting to replace John Collins with a lot of his touches. And thank God he, he almost, he got hurt for John Collins because he was able to prove himself to still be a key part of this team. But if they can be healthy, they got more depth now in DeLon Wright. That's, that's huge for that guard rotation. They got a guy who can play off Trey Young, play beside him and kind of mask him on the defensive end. 
Kevin Herter has gotten a little bit better every single year. And Gorgie, dang, that was, I thought that was a sneaky pickup as well. Mm. And they got another guy here, Jalen Johnson. He's a rookie. You know, rookies aren't going to make a huge impact in terms of the long term, but just another swing on a super athletic forward who's going to play really well beside Trey. I mean, they're really all in on this heliocentric offense around Trey, surrounding him with incredibly athletic forwards like Collins, like Johnson, like Hunter, like Reddish. And I wonder if they're a team that maybe could enter the Ben Simmons conversation. They have a lot of guys who make sense next to Embiid. And Ben Simmons makes a hell of a lot of sense next to Trey Young as well. So I'd, it was something that's been mentioned a couple of times. And they just have a surplus in young talent and good contracts that, you know, that's that's something to, to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, no doubt. I think that that combo in a backcourt could be that if both of them achieved their potential, that, that was a backcourt. My God, that, that could be. That could be scary. That could that's how good that be. The the way they would complement each other would be absolutely insane. But one thing I say is Hawks, they were fifth last year, 41 and 31. I like so much about this team that I genuinely believe remaining healthy. They could be they 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 should definitely be aiming to be hitting the 50 win mark this year. It's gonna be they have another another 10 games to play and improvements. They're getting some of their players, some key players back. They're staying healthy. They gotta be aiming for the 50 win mark. It, it might even end they might end up a little bit lower in the in the rankings, but they're gonna be a tough team to get past in the Eastern Conference. It, it's all yeah, it's all health. It's all health. And I, I absolutely agree. And another guy I didn't mention too is Okongu. Keep an eye out for him. Yeah. You you remember those possessions he had against Giannis? I have never seen ever since Giannis has ascended and really stamped himself as that guy in the league. I have never seen someone D him up like that, like Okamu did. And just, just to have a, a Giannis stop, not a stopper. No one can stop Giannis, but to have a guy who can match up with them too. That, that's big. That's huge. Um, but, you know, we're talking overrated, underrated. Was it a fluke? Who better to talk about than your New York Knicks? <laughs> no way is it a fluke and you know why it's not a fluke because hard work is what got them to where they were oh, that's why you've, you've been drinking the tips juice my man no that was it it was hard work <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't any exceptional talent obviously randall was awesome but it wasn't anything exceptional it was a group of guys that tibbs was able to bring together and they worked hard don't get me wrong they are not going to finish fourth in the eastern conference this year but they will be going back to the playoffs. The question now is, can they actually win a playoff series? They got spanked, man, against the Hawks. They did. They, they got, got spanked. Like all, all that, all that regular season player starters, 42 minutes of a game type of thing. That that doesn't work in the playoffs. That doesn't work in the playoffs. It it, it does not, but Again, the Knicks are the same. It's going to be a health issue. They've got Kemba and Fournier in. They could be big mm-hmm. assets if they stay healthy, especially Kemba. He's got issues with his knees. Can he be the Kemba Walker that we saw in Charlotte, the all-star level player? No. Mitchell Robinson's coming back. Can he stay healthy? Like, Mitch, 
give me a damn full season so we can really Absolutely. analyze how good you are. Give me a full season so we can really see, is this guy a serious defensive anchor for this team? We need to see it. If, if that's the way it goes, they're going to they're gonna be right up there. They'll, they'll be in the playoffs, but yeah, it, 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 was, it was a tough end of the season after what was an unbelievable regular season last year. Because because they, they could game it up. They knew what they were going to do. They they forced Randall into tough shots. Randall would look like a shadow of himself mm. based on how successful he was in the regular season. And I, I like the makeup of this team right now. I won't lie. But you said health. I will say that that's one reason the Knicks got so, I will say, lucky last year. I mean, they didn't get affected by COVID. Mm. Their main guys were healthy all year long. I mean, Mitchell Robinson obviously was was a huge loss, but then you had Nolan Noel. So I mean, that they, they had great they have great depth there. But I guess my my question here is going to be mostly on RJ Barrett because you know we can talk about the the defense how it was lucky. I mean they they were the best three point defense team, but they were allowing a lot of shots. They by far like just based on pure math, that was just a really lucky year for the other teams to shoot 33.7%. Everyone had a bad night in the garden, I guess. Yeah. But I think that RJ Barrett is the guy that can elevate the ceiling. Cause you talk about Randall. I think he, he absolutely elevated their ceiling, but RJ Barrett, he looked good as a shooter in preseason. He looked more in rhythm off the dribble. He looked way better with his floater. He looked way more smooth off the catch and shoot. And I think he's going to, if he can evolve his position to really play a true wing style and have the ball out of his hands, that would work really nicely alongside Kemba Walker, alongside Julius Randle, alongside guys who I think are going to be able to do a little bit more with the ball attacking the rim than he can at this point. But I, I know you're a big uh, Barrett guy. Where do you see him fitting in alongside a guy like Kemba Walker who needs the ball? Fournier needs his shots. Derek Rose is going to have the ball. Alec Burks, you know, he loves to dribble the ball. And Julius Randle is obviously going to need his touches. Coming into this year, it's a pretty big year of development. How do you think, think his role is going to change? This is, a, this is a ginormous third year for RJ Barrett. There's no doubt about it. He made, he made, a, he made a pretty decent jump uh, from first year to second year. But now they've had a year of success in the playoffs. Obviously, no one on the Knicks looked good throughout that whole. That was just a bit of a disaster. I hope he's just been working hard since then. He he's seen the guys that have come in. He showed he can he can shoot. I mean, he shot forty percent from from three last year. The guy, the guy could looked impressive for for stretches. It's gonna to be tough for him. I think. He had an idea of himself when he first came in that he was going to be a guy who was a bit more ball dominant. But the way it's worked out in New York, the players that they've got in, the way guys like Julius Randle have stepped up, he's just going to have to adapt his game. And I believe he can do it. I believe he's willing to do it. He's going to come back a stronger player. And the experience he's got around him the, with, with Co- Coach Tibbs and, and the players in general, I think... He's going to know exactly the role that he's got to play. And it's just a question of can he step up and fill that role to the best of his ability and to, to a, a perennial all-star level. That, that's what he's got to be looking at in, in, in the third year. I feel, I feel pretty strongly that it's just not going to happen here on the Knicks right now as, as the team is constructed. And that, that's, 
I, I feel the way that the way that his role is carving out right now, how he's been put in a secondary and now a tertiary play playmaking situation. I, I, I struggle to see how he's gonna do more than be a tertiary playmaker, off ball shooter, and cutter for a guy that you know you had huge aspirations of watching him in college and in his rookie year, seeing flashes of passes, how he can pass with both hands, how he can attack the paint and really take advantage of mismatches. You know, he didn't always do it consistently, but you saw these flashes of a guy who maybe could be like this oversized, you know, Harden-esque type of guard where he's going to overpower little guys and he has a finesse to get around big guys. And without the opportunity to do that, like what, what, what is that going to make him over the years? I mean, Tibbs isn't going to all of a sudden start experimenting with that. But I digress. I mean, in this role for, for Tibbs, I mean, I think he could do something there, but I'm just, I just don't think he's ever going to reach his potential on this team right now. No, I would agree. I, I think, especially just the type of co- coach that uh, Tom Thibodeau is, I, I think he gets the pieces in and they all fill a particular role. There is no, you step out of the line, you're, you're, you're gone. You're, you're, that's the way that that's the that's just the way it is unfortunately and i i would agree with you i don't think rj barrett is going to be the player we thought he was and we drafted him number three the way the knicks are currently set up but at the same time it's also kind of the best for the knicks at the moment because coach Davis will keep them solid he'll keep them in contention in the east and that's not something that they have been for a very, for a very, very, very long. Yeah, you got to be happy with what you got right now. Yeah. That's absolutely sure. So it's it's kind of this. This could almost be a, a final trial to see, in terms of RJ Barrett, in himself, how he feels as as a New York Nick, and for the team as a whole, if they think if they're they're going to continue on with this current roster, this current coach, maybe rj barrett is not the guy and maybe they have to look to find another piece i hope that's not the case i want to see him excel as a new york nick but the way it's going that that, that could be how it ends up i mean he almost feels like a, a trade candidate as well yeah. you know, look at how if, if he is a guy that's going to command a big price on the open market which i i believe he will based on his pedigree based on his physical potential his ability to to shoot now that he's shown he might not be showing it on the Knicks, but if you look at how James Harden was operating in OKC and that trade that was made to Houston, speaking of which, <laughs> where it is right now, but I think that he's a guy that really could be on the move after this year, yeah. depending on where the Knicks want to go with it. Cause I think the Knicks got big plans. They got their guy in Randall and they're looking for that next star. I mean, they've constantly been looking for that next star every single year. <laughs> I don't know if he's coming, but just speaking of the young guys, Obi, IQ, even a couple of these rookies, I was pretty impressed with Quentin Grimes. Looks like Jericho Sims is getting some time. Are any of these guys going to be able to crack the rotation in a meaningful way? And IQ had his moments last year. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of, uh, out of both Obi and IQ. It's just going to be a question of what are IQ's minutes going to be? Is it going to be a question of he's going to have what, like, maybe 10 minutes and if he if he performs maybe he'll get boosted up because now we've got Kemba starting D Rose coming off the bench how how's how's IQ going to fill in and what role is he going to play when he's on the court is he just going to be a shooter is he actually going to have any periods of actually being able to carry the ball 
we, we, that's something we'll have to wait and see on. But I think Toppin's going to have a much more consistent impact this year. I like to see from in the off season. And I think it, it was a tough, it was a tough rookie year for him, but I think the, the, the light is not going to be shining on him. And I think that's going to work in his favor. Maybe. Yeah. And just on IQ, man, I just, just looking at this roster, you've got Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, guys who are all going to want to make their own shot. Are they going to be able to sacrifice for each other? And that, that's a that's a huge thing on Tibbs. Um, but moving on to another team, a team that you talk about sacrificing for each other, a team that just shot 109 field goals, had 35 assists in their first preseason game. The Chicago Bulls, man. <laughs> Everybody was hating. Everybody said that DeMar DeRozan, that was a terrible signing. Nobody knew why they signed him. You know, maybe they're going to make the play in things like that. I'm, I'm really waiting for these national media heads to turn around and pound sand because the Bulls are coming, man. Just watch how they played on Monday. And I think that's a pretty good representation. Maybe not of the outcome because we played against the Cavs and the Cavs are clearly disgusting. I don't even know if we want to talk about the Cavs today, but I, I want to know what's your greatest arguments against the Bulls' success this year? Because I, I got I got all the love. I mean, I, I think there's obvious question marks, but what, what what do you think are some legit problems with this team? Because I I'm having a tough time holding myself back from seeing this as a top four team in the East right now. To be honest, I, I'm fairly pro Bulls at the moment. I'm li- I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I, I like the moves they made in free agency. I love the addition. Obviously, Alonzo, but Caruso and DeRozan as well. It was it was great. They're going to have a full year of of Vucevic this year, and Zach Levine. This is a guy who is set to enter into free agency next year. Not saying that he is, but end of the day, this is a guy who had a pretty much a career year last year. I mean, he shot fifty percent from the field, forty two percent from three. And he was just unbelievable, 27, 5, and 5. Like, this guy was an animal, albeit only in 58 games. But he's going to be playing to make sure that the Bulls do all they can to give him the best possible deal that he can get, but also make sure that every team around the league that can afford him will do all in their power to get him after the season that he's going to have this year. No, nah, I don't see that. That's a that I hate. I hate that it's posited that way because I think that really flies in the face of who Zach Levine is. Because Zach Levine has always been about being the guy for Chicago and really endorsed that idea that he is the face of the franchise. And he said as much. I mean, the most business way the front office has said we are committed and we will give him all that money. And Zach Levine has said that he wants that money. That whole respect comment, I mean, that was so overblown. And I, and I think that was that was really just a, a statement, um, a, a general statement, not just to the Bulls, but to the league, to the league. And, and I, I'm not really worried about it at all. I, I'm not worried about him going anywhere else. Number one, the cap space that exists in the league, who's he going to go to? The Pistons? Not going anywhere else. Bulls aren't doing a sign-in trade. <laughs> um, unless, the, unless the Pistons have some insane year. But if you look at how he is as a player and as a person, I mean, he's unselfish and you saw that all year long, 
those efficiency numbers that you mentioned about Zach Levine, the craziest part for me, I mean, he's doing that as a player's getting double teamed mm -hmm. all year long. He was getting double teamed. He was getting the best defender and he was focused on all year long and he still put up those efficiency numbers. You put him next to Vucevic, who's a fantastic passer. DeMar DeRozan, who's top 10 passer in this league, one of the best pick and roll creators, which is such, I think is such an amazing testament to his, his development. We look at who DeMar DeRozan was in his early years in Toronto. And you look at him now, I mean, he is a mid-range specialist. I mean, he looks like a relic from the 90s and the way that he can pass from the power forward or the wing position. And then you look at Lonzo Ball, one of the best creators in the league. Alex Caruso is a fantastic creator as well. I mean, he's surrounded by guys who are going to be able to get him a shot and he's going to be putting up effortless numbers. He's not going to be getting double teamed. He's not going to be having to pound the ball and find open space, running into Denzel Valentine and Lowry market. Like this is going to be a legitimate team where he is set up for success. I'm, I'm not crazy when I'm saying I expect him to have a full year of that efficiency. And I expect him to be on the level. When you talk about best shooters in the league, you got, you got to talk about clay. You got to talk about Zach Levine. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I, I, I love, like, I'm really jealous of, of you having Levine as your cornerstone piece of your team because I love everything about his game, the way he can go from being the ultimate athlete to just creating his own shot to, to shooting the three. He can, he can do it all. And that's something to, to admire. And it just gets you excited. That's the very least that it does. It gets, he's real fun to watch. He's real exciting to watch. And the fact that you've added these pieces around them, if teams try to double team this guy, look at all the assets that he has around him now that are going to score the basketball if you leave them open. It's it's going to be a big year for the Bulls. And you're you're saying they are they're they're a playoff certainty. Obviously, they were eleventh last year, thirty one and forty one. Additions they've made. Are you expecting them to challenge for a top five spot in the East? I think you know as as I really. As I've really thought about it, and you know, we'll we'll talk about Miami real quick in, in a minute here. Um, and we we talked about the 76ers. I have very serious concerns about how they're going to operate without Embiid, because that I, for me that's a certainty. For Miami, it's a certainty they're going to have they're going to have issues with their with their team as well. I, I don't see how it's possible to keep the Bulls out of the conversation for a top five seed. I think they're right there with Miami. They're right there with the Knicks. And I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, I have to look at this and be objective and say that I think they're absolutely going to be better than the Knicks this year. That's fair. I, and, and I think that a lot has to go right for Miami, the way that they're constructed in terms of spacing, in terms of that. And we, we can jump onto that right after this. After I need to talk a little more bulls here before I go. Yeah, on. of course. But just, I mean, look at the depth. I mean, they, they are set up for when Zach Levine went out last year, at the end of the day, there's no chance. I mean, they were surging towards potentially being into the, the, the plan. They had a chance to do it. But when Zach was out, you couldn't do it. If Zach's out, you can cover for that. You have DeMar DeRozan there to create. You have Lonzo Ball. He can fill in a little bit more. And Kobe White, I think Kobe White's going to have a solid year. I mean, it's really going to be tough with the shoulder injury, but for him to just be a gunner, for him to shoot, I've seen how he can be off the ball and to just create coast to coast. He's going to have a great year if, if he has the opportunity and Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams is another guy who has a chance to, to jump up. I, I, I think 
Patrick Williams, he's not going to have a year this year where it, the stats are going to jump off the page, but another year where he feels comfortable not only being a uh, a shooter, not only being a pick and popper, the different things he can do alongside guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, being a cutter. But I, I think he's shown that, especially in summer league, that he's a guy, if you give him the ball, he'll shoot, he'll be aggressive. And he said that he's he's going to be intentionally aggressive. The biggest thing for Patrick Williams, though, look at who he was defending last year, man, as a 19-year-old. He was defending Kawhi Leonard. He was defending Kevin Durant. He's defending LeBron James. And you don't stop those guys. You don't stop them from scoring. But he gave them a hard time. And one thing you pay attention to is when the greats talk about some of these young guys. And all of these players gave him props for his defense. And if you have a guy like Patrick Williams in the East where you got players like your Jason Tatums, your Jalen Browns, you need guys like that to defend these amazing wings. And I, I think that he's going to have a big, the biggest impact in the playoffs being a defensive stopper. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Like I, I, I wish I could really go hard against you here on all, on all this bull stuff, but I, I'm really, I'm really feeling that. I you like got the, nothing. I like the I makeup it. of this roster. I got, I just got, I got to give you, got to give it to you. And one thing as well, this is another, this is the year that we get to see Billy Donovan as mm. the elite coach that we all thought he was when, when, when the Bulls appointed him. Now he's got the, the talent and the roster. There's, there's no excuses. He's going to step on and, and produce with this team. And, and it's going to be, uh, going to be a fun, exciting year for you and for all Chicago Bulls fans. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment